John chapter 1, the, verse, the first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thank you, Luke, uh, and good morning to everybody. Um, uh, so we're going to be uh, looking at uh, those verses this morning. Um, on your notice sheet, you have more space than you normally do to make notes, if you look carefully. Um, uh, but there's, uh, thanks, Rich, um, space there to follow along if, uh, if you'd like to. Um, thank you, George. Um, so somewhere out there or out there or down there, I don't know where, about one and a half million kilometers from here, uh, in the perishing cold of outer space is an object about the size of a small truck called the James Webb Telescope. It looks uh, something like that. Um, <clears throat> its main piece of equipment is a, uh, is a mirror which is six meters wide, covered in gold, which apparently allows it to collect infrared light from around the universe. Uh, the light it captures from uh, all those galaxies um, that it sees is apparently millions of years old because it's taken that long to get here. And so apparently it tells us all about the origins of life. If I understand it correctly, it's basically a $10 billion time machine that looks back in time uh, to find out what has been happening in the universe for all of these years. And it, it brings us some uh, phenomenal pictures. You've probably seen some of these on, on the BBC website over the last uh, year or so, if you look on there, um, of, uh, well, I don't know what they are, galaxies. I think, um, I think that thing is apparently a, a thing which makes stars. I have no idea what it's called, but it's, it's uh, in incredible stuff that the James Webb Telescope is showing to us. Why would humanity spend uh, the last 30 years designing and uh, launching that object and $10 billion of its precious money on the James Webb Telescope? Well, it has its own website and Twitter feed, and its website tells us that the reason it exists is because we wonder. It is in our nature to wonder. How did we get here? Are we alone in the universe? And how does the universe work? Humans have, I guess, always been fascinated with, with where we come from. What is it that, that lies at the very heart of the universe that explains everything? Uh, and it seems pretty obvious to me from a little bit of research on the James Webb Telescope website uh, this week that the answer to those questions, where we come from, what lies at the heart of the universe at the moment is, we have absolutely no idea. It looks pretty cool, whatever it is, but we're going to keep on spending the money until we find out. But exploring space isn't the only way that mankind uh, displays its desperation to understand our origins. That was Charles Darwin's quest, of course, as well. Uh, that's why his ideas were considered so important. That's why scientists don't just explore space out there, but the, the tiniest of atoms and electrons and quarks and, and whatever else there is uh, in, in, uh, under a microscope. That's why writers like Philip Pullman speculate on what it is that makes humans unique. And the answer in his novels is, is some indefinable substance called dust. Uh, 
if you've read them or watched his programs. It's why I think we like to trace our family trees, because we, we want to find out who we are and, and where we've come from. Uh, think about how significant it is for, for someone who's adopted to find out who their parents are and, and what they were like. It's, it's massively significant to us, isn't it? It's why if you go to a counsellor or, or a psychotherapist, they are likely to spend some time exploring your childhood and, and your family, what it was like for you growing up. I, I was brought up um, overseas uh, for a, a large part of my childhood, and uh, many years later uh, I visited Cyprus where I spent some of my, uh, my formative years. Um, and I had a really strange experience where I, I visited my old school and my old house and uh, drove around all the streets that I used to wander um, and, and as, I, as I left it, having been there for the first time for, for I can't remember, 15, uh, 20 years or something, I, I, I kind of just broke down in, in floods of tears. And I, I couldn't really explain what was going on, uh, other than somehow just to, to acknowledge that connecting with where you've come from is tremendously significant to us. And as you get older, you have to begin to reckon with the fact that the answers to many of those questions that we have about what where we've come from, what, uh, some of the memories that we have, the answers are never going to be known because the people who hold them end up dying and passing on. It can leave us feeling quite strange. Well, this week and next, uh, we're looking at John chapter 1 in a break from our series in Romans. And, and in some ways, it is a story about, about origins. Who are we? Who are you? Where did you come from? Uh, and let me sum up the main message that I'm going to try and um, uh, bring to you from uh, verses 1 to 5 this week. Um, uh, it, it's this. At the very heart of the universe, behind everything that exists, including each one of us, there is a creator who overflows with life and light and his light will always shine. I'll say that again. At the very heart of the universe, behind everything that exists, including each one of us, there is a creator overflowing with life and light, and his life will always shine. And his name is Jesus, but a bit more on that next week. But out of the many things that this passage does show us, I'm going to try and bring out five, which is more points than we normally have in a sermon, so we'll move quite quickly. Um, I hope that these things will warm your heart and be uh, really helpful uh, to us all. So, at the very heart of the universe, behind each one of us, there is firstly a giving God. A giving God. Look at verse (coughs) 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, there's a lot we could say about that. There's implications about what it means for God to be, to be Trinity. God, God is not one person, but there is one God, and, and there is the Word who is with God and is God at, at, at the same time. But, but think for now just what it means for this second person of the Trinity to be called the Word. The Word. The Word is God. God has something to say about himself. That is what he's like. The word is not part of who God is. The word is God. And he 
is God's self-expression of himself, his whole self to us. And part of the way that uh, God shows what he is like is by making things. His word, uh, verse 2, creates things. John says it twice, without him, uh, nothing was, uh, was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him. So behind everything that we see, every taste that we taste, every uh, object we touch and sound we hear and smell we smell, behind it all there is the word. So I don't know what the James Webb telescope will find, but I know what it's looking for, I think. It, it's, it's looking for some kind of force of physics. It's looking for some yet unknown thing that is going to explain this wondrous world that we live in. It's probably going to come up with some kind of formula or some theory of quantum physics or, or, or whatever it might be. It's expecting to find some, some physical thing that has caused life. But John tells us it's the other way around. It's not that life causes... It's not that physical things result in life. It's that there is, there is life at the heart of the universe which gives rise to physical things. See how backwards that is? In him, verse 4, was life. At the heart of the universe, there is this, this giving God who pours himself out and, and shows us what he is like and he makes things and we see it around us and, and we are those things. So, so what does it mean to, to live in a world like that? What does it mean to, to take a walk in the Lake District? and see the beauty there, and, and know that behind that beauty there is a, a personal, self-expressing God behind it all. What does it mean to hold a baby in your arms with all the emotions that that brings, and, and know that there is a God like that behind it all? What does it mean to, to laugh till your belly aches, or, or to cry till you're rinsed of all that you've got, and know that whatever's going on there, it's a, a personal, self-expressing God who lies behind it. See, the true significance of everything that we see and do is only felt when we know the person who sits behind them all, this giving God. So those images that, that the telescope is sending us, they should make us go, wow, definitely. We should, we should look at those and think, and, and drink it in. But there's an altogether deeper wow, isn't there, when, when you realize that behind all of those wonders there lies a God who loves to make things, who loves to speak out, whose nature it is to create and to express himself. That's who you and me are the product of, a God like that. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a, a giving God, secondly, a good God. In him, verse 3, this word was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, good, I've put in a heading there. It's not a word used in the passage, but, but the idea is definitely there, isn't it? Life and light are definitely good because they're opposed to, to darkness, aren't they? And the life that this word has in himself and gives to all he makes is light for all men and all women. In John's Gospel, darkness is about death. It's about moral ignorance. It's, a, it's, it's about a lack of life and light. And darkness is, is something that we feel, isn't it? If we're honest, it's something that we know all too well. 
We know the darkness of our ignorance. We know the darkness of uh, evil in the world around us, but in our hearts as well. And the answer to all those darknesses of evil and of ignorance and of despair, the answer is found in light. And that light comes from one place. It comes from the one who is at the center of the universe. Go to the very heart of everything that exists, and there's not some impersonal force or accident of physics. There is light and life. There is goodness. And that brings hope to us. Of course, we, uh, we humans are very good at pretending that, that it's us who create light and find light for ourselves and, and define goodness and, and light. Uh, we say we don't, we don't need someone else to tell us stuff. We'll find it out for ourselves. Thank you. We'll send a $10 billion telescope into space and, and find out the answers. That's not how it works, is it? It's not what John says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. There's nothing more humbling, I don't think, than knowing that without the light, with a capital L, the light, we have no light. We can't really know anything truly. Without the life that comes from this word, we have no life and light. But shining in the darkness from this amazing God, there is life and light. It comes from him. He is a good God. Thirdly, at the heart of the universe is an active God. I wasn't a massive fan of this heading, but it was the best I could come up with. God is a giving God. He's a good God. He's an active God. Look down again at the passage. I've been reading this passage for, for years. I, I first remember uh, hearing it, I think I was seven or eight years old at a school assembly at Christmas time. Um, that's the first time I can recall hearing these words. Uh, and I'm more or less in my mid-40s now. But until uh, um, a few months back, I had never before felt the full impact of the change of tenses that happens in verse 5. I know this sounds a bit like an English literature lesson, um, but ha have a look down at it. In verse 1 to 4, it's all was, 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 were, was. At nine times, there's a, there's a word that's all about the past tense. And then in verse 5, look at it now. Isn't it glorious? Gloriously, verse 5 moves into the present tense. The light shines in the darkness. It does so right now. I think, I think that's just wonderful. It's like uh, John has kind of um, had a sat around in a, in a classroom learning stuff about the word, about God. Um, I don't think that's really what's happening, but it, 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 it's a little bit uh, like that, you know, learn, telling us important facts about God. But then verse 5, bang, this is, this is real. This is what's happening now, folks. This isn't academic classroom stuff. This isn't theory. This isn't philosophy. This isn't about looking millions of years into the past or, or, or finding out about our origins some way. This life, this light that overflows from our creator still shines now. He is still at the very heart of the universe. He is still the one that brings life and light and meaning to this world. Right now, the light shines in the darkness. So right now, as you sit there in your blue chair, it's his light and life that are keeping your hearts 
beating away. It's his life and light that is bringing new spring lambs into the world that we saw in a field yesterday on a walk that we went on. That are pushing up new daffodils in Sefton Park uh, in 2023, just as they have been pushed up since the dawn of time. Right now, the only hope for this dark world is, is there, it's shining out. God is not passive. He is not a helpless observer of stuff going on in the world, but he is still steadily shining his light out as he has done since day one. The light shines in the darkness, present tense, and the darkness has not, verse 5, overcome it. Uh, That's the, the fourth thing to see. At the heart of the universe is an undefeated God. The light has not been snuffed out. Of course, many have tried to snuff it out. We, we've all tried in our sin to do away with him, to ignore him, to turn our back on the light, to run away from him. Uh, the serpent tried in the Garden of Eden. Pharaoh tried. They both failed. Pontius Pilate and the Jewish leaders like the Pharisees and so on tried and failed to snuff out the light. The devil himself unleashed everything that he had against the light. The light of the world was put to death but the darkness did not overcome it. As the, as the song goes, bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. The light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. Of all the things to understand about our universe, surely that's the one thing that we can and must remember most of all. You know, it would be, it would be lovely for us to uh, get some clear answers about the origins of planets and stars Uh, and learn from the James Webb Telescope. It would be lovely for for me to understand more about myself and uh, and who I am. It would be lovely for any of us who are struggling with our emotions, with depression, with anxiety, uh, with with hopelessness, to to understand uh, what lies behind all of those things. It would be great for us as a church to understand better some of the difficulties that we've faced in the past year. But I'll tell you what's more important to understand than any of that. The life and light of the good God who overflows with goodness will never be overcome. That is a hope to cling on to most of all. And perhaps that leads us on to the one final and most important thing of all to say. This God, this giving God, this active God, this good God, this undefeated God, we can know him. He's a person. In some senses, it's it's an obvious thing to say, and I've said it, I guess, in passing several times, but it's an astonishing thing to say, isn't it, when you think about it? But it it needs saying. Verse 1, right from the beginning, means... uh, uh, um, uh, makes clear that this is a personal, um, a personal God. The word is a him in verse 2 there. He was in the beginning with God. The word is not a force or, or a thing. It's, he's a person. Next week when we look at the rest of the chapter, we'll see it spelt out all the more clearly as the word becomes flesh. But think of all of, of, of mankind's efforts to, to understand the world that we live in. Think of the millions of miles that we travel out there 
into space and, and the microscopic detail that, that we study our world in. Think of all the inward soul-searching that we do to try and understand ourselves. We make all of that effort, but God has taken the initiative to come to us. The giving God who loves to reveal himself has done that. He has shown himself to us. And so all that we need to know is found in this man, Jesus. That's a message that we don't find anywhere else. You know, we live in a world that, that knows it's got problems and that is searching for answers, don't, don't we? But there are no other answers like that one. For many years, Katie has been trying to persuade me to appreciate poetry. Uh, if I'm honest, I don't really get poetry. Um, I read it and I kind of just think, meh, and then I move on. I do try. But this year's attempt from Katie was uh, for her to uh, buy me a book called The Poetry Pharmacy. I think she thought it would appeal to me because I'm a doctor and it's kind of pharmacy, you know, that medicine says it's uh, tried and true prescriptions for the heart, mind and soul. Um, the point of the book is that it's a collection of poems that ought to help us in the various troubles we face in life. Um, and it's full of some beautiful poems. Um, don't tell Katie this, but I have actually quite enjoyed it. Um, but here's the thing. The help that these poems offer is completely abstract. It's, it's just all about, you know, learn to, to think about life in a different way. You know, distract yourself by meditating on the beauty of nature for a while. Here's, here's some words. The sun rises in spite of everything, and the far cities are beautiful and bright. I lie here in a riot of sunlight, watching the daybreak and the clouds flying. Everything is going to be all right. Too often, he says, our pain is either in our heads or magnified beyond all proportion. If we can learn to manage it, if we can find that oasis of calm in the reflection of the waves, then we might find that our problems are not as all-consuming as we imagined. We might find that, in the end, everything really will be all right. Do you know, I, th I think there's a lot of helpful things in, in, in these poems. As with much truth, they are only half the truth, though. Those things are only true when they're seen in the light of Jesus. Other than that, they're just completely abstract. It's just thoughts and, and philosophy. But we've got a man called Jesus. And he is worth getting to know. The creator God who is light and life still shines and his light is never snuffed out. We can know him. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I think that's a great verse to, to memorize. I think that's the kind of verse that um, that, that brings like, st stability to your life, what, what, what strength and hope there is to know that there is a person called Jesus whose light shines. We can trust him because he is good and nothing's ever going to stop him being good. I think that should bring stability to us in our individual lives. I think that will bring stability to us as a church. Going forward, you can be assured that your leaders have nailed their colors to this mast. Jesus is the one that we need. He is the one that we will speak about. He is the one that we will exhort one another to, to press on and know. It's always going to be about him. Because it's him that I need 
and it's him, his light and life that you need too. I look around the room here, I think about you as, as I'm uh, preparing a sermon and, and praying, and I, I see people who have walked and are walking in, in darkness. You've felt pain that is unimaginable. You've felt confused. And some of you are disillusioned with life, uh, perhaps with church. You you, church is not living up to what you hoped it might be. Uh, you've, uh, you're living life and, and there are people in your life that are, are letting you down. You've lost people who've died. You've been hurt by people. There's some illness which is weighing you down and you don't know when it will end. You wake up each day and sometimes just kind of wonder what the point is. Um, I know we're a church of, of many different ages, but for many people, the, the exuberance of your 20s, when everything felt fantastic and optimistic and hopeful, that just feels a million miles away. So what, what should you do? Well, don't just turn to vague thoughts about God. Don't turn to some kind of vague spirituality. Don't settle for empty words, however religious or spiritual they might seem, but in reality are completely weightless. Settle for nothing less than knowing Jesus. Nail your colors to that mast. Say, yes, he is enough for me. I can build my life around the one who is light that will never be extinguished. I'm not going to look for answers anywhere else because I know that he's enough. That's where my life is built. I don't have all the answers to you about what that actually looks like. I know it's one thing to know that Jesus is the light and, and another thing to, to feel it and have that worked its way out in all of your life. But I do know that there is no other light. There is no other philosophy or well-being technique, no magic prayer that you can pray that will compare with knowing Jesus. He stands at the center of the universe and says, I am life and light, I am undefeatable, and you can trust me to the end. I'm going to pray now and ask him to help us to put our trust in him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father, uh, we sit here in, in awe of you and your son, the word Jesus Christ, who died and who rose again and lives now in undefeatable life and light. Uh, we are your creatures, Father. We thank you that in all of your wondrous goodness, you have given us life. And we pray, uh, more than anything, Father, help us please to know Jesus, to come to him and to stick with him forever that we too would not be overcome. In his name we pray and ask. Amen.